So I'm going to talk about the conflict within and how to overcome it. Somebody say the conflict within and how to overcome it. Hallelujah. For that, I want us to turn our Bibles in the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 7. I'm going to read from verse 18 to 25. Romans 7, 18 to 25. Are you here with me? Uh, I'm glad we did it in the evening. Romans chapter number 7. Let's go very quickly from verse 18 to 25. Now I want to read and I want you to follow with me. He said, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will do, I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, I, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwell in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who dwells, who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretch man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God for Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the love of God, the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Hallelujah. Now, do you understand what, what Paul is talking about? Paul is saying that there is a law inside of us that most of the time we are willing to do good, but when we try to deliver good, it's evil that we deliver. How many people are here and they say to themselves, I will not gossip anymore. The next moment they found themselves they are gossiping. How many people are struggling with this battle within? They will to do something and then they do the opposite. Some of you have decided not to take offense anymore. But when the next thing happens, you feel yourself offended. Come on now. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some of you even want to read your Bible. When you find yourself, you are sleeping. Hallelujah. You come to a meeting like that. You are, you are puffed up. You are, you are excited. And the excitement stays for a day. And the next day, you, you look at yourself. You are no more like a chicken. And there is a battle that is going on in the lives of believers. I must tell you. Some of you, some of you don't understand. You take good resolutions and then you fail to fulfill them. Sometimes you think you are holy and you think things are going well until something happens and shows you that you have not moved. Because until you encounter something, you don't know the level of your growth. The level of your growth is measured by the, by the encounters that you have in your life, and those encounters will determine your reaction, then you know. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of us say, I don't have any unforgiveness in me anymore until somebody says something against you. And then you realize something is happening. Something is happening. Why are we doing what we do? Why are we not able to go until the end and persist and follow the thing that we want to do? Why are we still talk, taking offense? Why are we still, let's say, why are we still dominated by the desires of the flesh? Aren't we Christian? Wasn't this supposed to be op the opposite? I don't know about you, but these are the things that I ponder about and sometimes it makes me discouraged. I say, Lord, where are we going? We are a new creation. You know, I taught the people that your place of creation is not the Garden of Eden. Your place of creation is in Christ. Ephesians 5 says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So you are disconnected, but you know what? You know what? There is what we call the body in which we dwell. And that body is still connected to the earth. We call it the corruptible parts of us. Hallelujah. So the new creation dwells in a body. That's the unfortunate thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. The new creation dwells in the body. And there are things that our body longs for. Because the body is connected to earth. Do you know why you like the, the nice thing of the earth? Because of your body. Because your body, the substance of your body comes from here. So everything that is connected to this earth, the body likes it. So the body wants to be in its element here on earth. And the body is the one that likes the gossip. Because it's nice to the ear. Amen. The body is the one that takes offense. Hallelujah. We dwell in the body. And this body is called to decay. Remember, this body that you have today is not redeemed yet. Yeah, many people think their body is redeemed. It's not redeemed. The Bible says we are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. So it means this body is not redeemed yet. So if your body is not redeemed, guess what? Your body will have a good fight with your new creation spirit because the body wants to take over. Hallelujah. So the body is fighting to express itself because the body feels that this is me. I mean, this earth, it's me. And many of us, don't understand what is happening to us. Hallelujah. No, no, I'm just saying this so that you can understand where I'm taking you from. I'm taking you to. Now, in the Old Testament, the Lord took me to the book of Genesis and explained to me something, the life of Jacob. 
Hallelujah. Jacob. <laughs> when we, I told you that if you want to study the laws of encounters in the Bible, study Jacob. I'm taking you to the first man, Jacob. Now, who was Jacob? Jacob was a twin brother of Esau. These two guys were twins. Amen? Rebecca was pregnant. You can read that in Genesis 25. Rebecca was pregnant. And then the two of them were struggling inside there. Rebecca went to inquire of the Lord, and Rebecca said, There is something in me. Ah. This baby in me are hitting each other inside me. I don't know what is happening. Rebecca goes to, to inquire, and the Lord said to Rebecca, It's two nations. Ah. You are not carrying people, you are carrying nations. So Rebecca is, 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 has come to the understanding that she's not carrying normal people. She's carrying nations. No, there are some people that carry people, but there are some that carry nations. Yes. yes. We can all be pregnant, uh, but what is inside of you differs from what is inside of that person. Yes. And you know, the condition of carrying a nation is different from the condition of carrying a people. So Rebecca couldn't understand what was happening to her. And they explained to her that these nations are inside of you. One will be greater than the other one. So at birth, guess what? The fight continues. Because the babies know the law of the firstborn. Yeah. They heard the prophetic word that one will overpower the other one. So they knew that the first one to come inherits. So at birth, there was a fight. And Esau just came out. And Jacob grabbed, grabbed the heel of Esau. Not going anywhere. Imagine the twins being born with. So when Esau came out, they said he was, a, he was a hairy baby. They called the baby Esau. And then they look, the heel was in the hand of somebody else. <laughs> so the second one came out, they call it Jacob. Now, I know that the only meaning you know of Jacob is the one that a deceiver supplanting. No, but Jacob does not just mean that. No, does not mean that. <laughs> Jacob does not just mean that. You know that Jacob was born as a fighter. He was born as a fighter. From the womb of a mother, he was trying to prevail. He was not lying there and just enjoying the womb. There was a fight inside. Came out. So Jacob was born. Gave him the name Jacob. And Jacob was going up. <laughs> the fight that he started inside, he finished it outside. I remember when I was in my mother's womb. <laughs> that a prophetic word went out. Hallelujah. And the mother helped him. She said, son, you were fighting to come out first, but this guy came before you. I will help you take over. Over a meal. 
The story was decided. Yeah, over a meal. I wonder how many people sell their birthright for meals. And when we talk about meal, don't just see food. A meal is something that satisfies the flesh. So I wonder how many people have sold their birthright because of the desires of the flesh. And they have given over things because they want the flesh to be satisfied. Now, he, get, he got the, the, the birthrights over the meal, and he was blessed. The Bible says that his father blessed him. Hallelujah. Now, when he got the blessing, when he got the blessing, Esau was so angry that Jacob has to run away. Hallelujah. It happened that in the Bible, the one that is blessed is persecuted by the one that is not blessed. Check all your Bible, all your words. Yes. It's the one that does not have a blessing that persecutes the one that has a blessing. That's why the Pharisees persecuted Jesus. And no, 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 so, so, so if somebody is persecuting you, you know what your position toward that person already. Yes. The one that persecutes the other one is the one that is longing for the blessing of that person. So instead of, instead of being angry and frustrated, know your position. Now, because no one will contend with you if you don't have a blessing. You should understand that when, when people fight against you because they have seen something upon your life and, and they want to get it and they can't get it and they have to fight. Have you realized that if you are in a company, the boss does not fight with the gatekeeper? He fights with those who are around him. Why? Because he, he sees potential for replacements. So when he fights you, he's fighting for his position, actually. Because he thinks, one day, this is the one that will take my position. That's why Saul fought David. Saul was not fighting because he hated David. He fought because he could see David was in position to take his place. So what he was fighting was not David. He was fighting the grace. So what has nothing to do with David. He had everything to do with the grace that was upon the life of David. Because he knew this is the grace that will take my throne. That's why we must be wise like David. Where when you get somewhere and you have the anointing upon you, don't try to promote yourself. Be a servant. Uh, I'm giving you keys. Serve in the hiding place. And when you serve in the hiding place, a time will come where they will take you from jail to the palace and from the palace to the throne. And some people don't understand. They get there and they're doing the boss already, but they are not the boss. They try to command the boss and tell him what he must do. And they don't have the wisdom to sit in the secret place until time has come. So, so, so Jacob was running away. And then, I love the story of Jacob. I love the story of Jacob. Hallelujah. Amen. Jacob had three encounters. I know that most of you know only two. You know the first one that he had in Luz that he called Bethel. And you know the one in Peniel. I'll explain to you the three ones. I'm talking about the battle within. Don't lose me. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, 
Jacob had an encounter. His first encounter was in the book of Genesis, chapter number 28, verse 10 to 19. Can we read it? Genesis 28, verse 10 to 19. And we haven't gotten to the part where we're going to take off. I'm just laying the ground. Genesis chapter number 28, verse 10 to 19. Can we find it quickly so that we can read it? Okay, now Jacob went out from Bathsheba and went toward Aaron. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun has set. And he took a stone, he took one of the stones off the place, of that place, and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and at its top reached to heaven, and there was the, and there the angel of the Lord were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. <laughs> Remember, he didn't say the God of Jacob yet. So he has not become the God of Jacob yet. Although Jacob was in line, he hasn't become his God yet. And he said, the Lord, and he said, and Isaac, and the land which you lie which the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from the sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he, said, and he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he, had, that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city had been loose previously. This is the key. Now, this is a, a, running, a runaway guy, wanted by Esau. And Jacob is running and he hit the portal. He came to a place. The place is called Luz. He lied down without knowing where he was. And in his dream, revelation is given to him. And God comes and he says, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac. And I will be. That was the first encounter. And when Jacob woke up, he changed the name of the place. He said, this is the house of God. And he called the place Bethel, which means house of God. But we all say, the place was called Luz. But why? Why did God encounter him in Luz? Why? 
Do you, know, do you want to know why? I want to take you to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number one. Hmm. Jeremiah chapter number one. I want us to read from verse 10. Jeremiah chapter number one. Quickly, let's go. Okay. He says, see, I have set you over the nation and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Let's carry on. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me and said, Jeremiah, what do you see? And what did he say? He said, I see what? I see a branch of an almond tree. And look at verse 12. He said, the Lord said to him, you have seen well for I'm ready to perform it all. I'm watching over my word to perform it. But I will tell you why this scripture connected to one of Genesis. Do you know that the word loose means almond tree? Do you know that? So when they said, God revealed himself to him in loose. God was saying, whatever I tell you here, I will perform it. It was no coincidence that God waited for him in loose because in Jeremiah, he's saying to Jeremiah, what do you see? Jeremiah said, I see loose. He said, oh, you have seen well, wherever there is that name. Then I watch over my word to perform it. So I can submit to you that Jeremiah in the spirit slept under an almond tree. Although there was not a physical almond tree, the name of a place was the representation of the almond tree. And when there is an almond tree, it's a prophecy that God will do what he said he would do. So he vowed to Jeremiah in loose, and that became a covenant, uh, to, to, to Jacob, and that became a covenant. Uh, listen, listen. Can I submit to you that, that God does not meet you everywhere? Oh, no, man. Oh, this is too big for the body of Christ. I think, no, God is everywhere. God meet me everywhere. No, God does not meet you everywhere. God meets you to allocated places. Oh, you think this is just tradition? Listen. In the book of Acts chapter number 2, do you think that God couldn't send the Holy Ghost in Samaria? Do you think that he couldn't send it in the marketplace? Why did the disciples went to the upper room? Because they have been there before with Jesus. And they knew this is a holy place. And the Holy Ghost wouldn't fall anywhere else except in the upper room. Come on. When Jesus rose again, he said to Mary, say to my people to go to Galilee, that's where I will meet them. Oh, no, no, no. No, I, I'm getting to something here to tell you that the reason why your life is aimless is because you don't know where God wants to meet you. You, you don't even know where he wants you to establish your business. You just walk around. Yo, this place will work. You establish it there and God has not called you there. Then you pray to, for him to bless him, but he doesn't call you there. There is places. Oh God. We are serving a God of places. 
I say we are serving a God of places. And if you don't have that understanding, you will go from, ah. Yes. That's why you need to ask God. Yes. You need to ask God. Where is your place of meeting with me? Yes, I know you can talk to me everywhere. But there is a place. I say there is a place. Jesus knew that before crucifixion, he has to be in the garden of Gethsemane. They were in the Mount of Olives. And when the time came, he said, let's go down because I'm going to Gethsemane. God is a God of places. I want you to hear that. God is a God of places. You've been taught another gospel. They have told you that your God will meet you everywhere. Yes, he's with you everywhere. But he has places that he has set. Even there are times that are set. He talk about appointed time. It means Jesus will not come anyhow. There's a time where Jesus will come. Yes. Jesus will not just come. Oh, no, today is first day he has come. No. I pray that you may enter the revelation so that you may know when Jesus is coming. Although you don't know the hour and the time, but you will know the, 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 the season. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Before Jesus was born, it was prophesied it would be in Bethlehem. So when Mary was pregnant and Mary was not in Bethlehem, God orchestrated something to bring her to Bethlehem. He went, to, he went to Caesar and he said, hey, call a, a, how do you call it? A, how do you call that? Uh, where people come and put their names down. Censor. Call one and bring Mary here. Mary with his pregnancy was moved to Bethlehem. Because the Messiah must be born in Bethlehem. So God organized for her. Some of you, you don't even know why you are in Bloomfontein. Oh, you, you thought you just left Cape Town to come to Bloomfontein. You don't know the spirit has organized for you to have a meeting in Bloomfontein. And not just in Bloomfontein. You are sitting in divine today. You don't know why. The Lord has, the Lord has written for you to be here tonight. No, there is no accident in the kingdom. We are moved along by the spirit of God. We are carried on the wings of the spirits. So Jacob slept there. And he had his first encounter in the place of Luz. Then, that encounter, as glorious as it was, it didn't change Jacob. It's after this encounter that he continued as Jacob. When Laban tried to cheat him, he said, I taught the devil how to cheat you. You are cheating me? Jacob was skillful. Laban saw all his flock going away <laughs> because you were playing with master. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there are some encounters that will not change you. It will open a door for you to be aware of the presence of God in your life. So it's not every time you fall down that your life has changed. Sometimes it's just a window that God has opened to show you he is with you. 
but your life remains the same. That's why some of you are frustrated. With all the falling that you have done in churches, you are still the same. I mean, you alone, we can count your falling. You are like 10,000 on your shoulders. You keep on falling. But when you wake up, you are like a duck that went into the water, shake himself and gone. You don't want to hear the truth. Me, I'll tell you. When I'll tell you. So, there are encounters that don't change people. Can I submit to you that all the encounters you have had in your life, not all of them are meant to change you. Some of them are just meant to make you aware of God's presence in you. He said to Jacob, I am with you. I am with you. It didn't mean I've changed you. So God has shown you is with you. And for us, it's okay. We are satisfied because God says he is with us. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I am with you. And that stops there. God is with me. God is with me. But I want to take you further. He had another encounter in the book of Genesis chapter number 32. I want us to read from verse 22 to 28. Genesis 32, 22 to 28. Let's go quickly. Father, help us. Help us, help us, help us. Genesis 22, uh, 32, verse 22 to 28. They say, and he rose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over to the ford of Jabok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent them, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and the men wrestled with him until daybreak. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, of Jacob's hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? Said Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and have prevailed. Now, Jacob had an encounter, a second encounter. It was in the place called Peniel because he said, I've seen God face to face. Now, Jacob was struggling with the Lord the whole night. Amen. But there is a discipline that Jacob had. Number one, he detached himself from what he had. His flock, his wives, his children, and he was left alone. Do you know that there is a place in the kingdom where you have to be alone? There are places where you can't take your wife, you can't take your husband, you can't take your children, you have to be alone with God. When you are struggling, the, the, the struggle, the wrestling that you have with God is a wrestling that you need to, have to be alone. Oh, there are some things that you can do with a family, but there are some stuff you can't do with a family. Yes. There are times of prayer where you are together with a family, but there are times of prayer where you don't need to be with a family, you need to be on your own. Because it's in, in that place that God meets you. 
Listen, we have family prayers in our homes, but that is not enough. We need to have a meantime with God. So for us, if we were struggling, and the, and, the, and, angel, and the angel realized, I won't beat this guy. I won't beat him. And he touched the socket of his hip. And the Bible said, Jacob, the hip was out of joints. You know, I said it before, that the hip is a place of balance. So when your hip is out of balance, you need to lean on something that we call catches. So you need a third element or say another element to balance you. So what happened is that there are encounters in your life that, that will leave you crippled permanently in the spirit. Now, crippledness is not a negative thing. Because when your hip is dislocated, you need somebody stronger than you to lean on. So God will make it a way that you are weak in yourself so that you can lean on him. So there are some encounters in your life that are designed to leave you with permanent damage. Yes. Yes. And those encounters are sometimes things that you go through in life. Yeah, there are some stuff you go through in life. The purpose of it is to show you how weak you are so that you can lean on God. So when God brings those things in your life, you need to be wise enough to know that I will not let myself be defeated. I will struggle with this thing until the thing recognizes that I am a servant of God. But some of us, we don't know how to struggle with a thing. Everything that comes, we think God is killing us. We don't know that those things are designed to make us strong. Listen, everything that happens in your life has a first purpose to make you strong. God might not send it. But the end of it is for you to be stronger than before. And listen, Jacob came out limping. I wonder what the family was thinking. Now, this is the man that came the previous night. He was fine. In the morning he comes, the hip is gone. What happened overnight? He met God. And when he met God, God showed him, I am the boss. And he has to humble himself. But do you know that even that experience didn't change Jacob? Yeah. Didn't change him. Because remember, God told him, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but what? But do you know that after that experience, his name was still Jacob? The experience, (laughs) God designed the experience to change him. But he's too strong in himself. That's why some of you, you go through stuff. Instead of changing, you become bitter. Instead of acknowledging God, you are angry with God. So you come out stronger in your rebellion than before. So many people come out of encounters and they are bitter. I don't know why God can allow this. I mean, how can God allow my hip to be dislocated? I mean, it's my hip. How can God, how can God hurt me like that? How can, how can God? That's the language. Why me? You are in rebellion. Can I submit to you, you are in rebellion? You need God. Third encounter. I'll tell you why I say the didn't change. Let's go to the third encounter. The third encounter is in the book of Genesis, chapter number 35. 
verse 1. We'll start to read from verse 1, and I will stop when I stop. Genesis 35. Mm. They said, then God said to Jacob. God said to who? But I thought God told him you will no longer be called Jacob. I thought he was saying God said to Israel. God said to? Ha. And God said to Jacob, arise. Go up to Bethel and dwell there. (laughs) And make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from Esau, your brother. So God said, I want another encounter, but I can't meet you here. Let's go back to where I am. He said, I want to encounter you again, but I'm taking you back to Bethel. I told you there are places. Didn't I tell you there are places? He said, let's go back to Bethel. And said there, and God said to Jacob, say to And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign God that I among you. So it means that when he had the second encounter, there were still idols in his house. He came limping, but the idols were there. He couldn't walk, but he kept the idols. So so some of us, we we have an encounter with God that touched our lives, but the idols are still in our lives. The thing that we treasure above God are still there. We don't deal with the idols. So when God came, God said, Jacob, go to Bethel again. Hallelujah. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourself and change your garments. Something is happening now. Then let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God. Who answered me in the days of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in his hand, which were in their hands, and the earring which were in the ear, and Jacob hid them under the terebin tree which was by Shechem. And their journey and the terror of God was upon the city that were all around them, and they did not pursue them. The son, they did not pursue them, the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to where? That is, which is in the land of Cana, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El, El what? Bethel. Because there God appeared to him when he fled from his brother. I will, I will explain to you what it is. When he fled from his... No, just let's go back. Back. And he built an altar there and called it El Bethel because God appeared to him when he fled from the, from the face of his brother. Yes, let's go. Now Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died and she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree. So the name of it was called Alon Bakus. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall no longer be Jacob. 
twice. I don't know if you catch what I'm saying. God changed the name first time. He appeared again and said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called him his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am the God, I am I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you and kings shall come from your body. Let's stop there. Now, the third encounter, God has to come again and repeat that he's changing the name. Because on the second encounter, he retained the gods. And the third time God said, Jacob, go back to the place of encounter because we are not finished yet. You think your hip is all. No, it's not all. You had something in your hand that I don't like. Deal with the idols. Can I say God is calling us to deal with our idols? God wants us to deal with the idols, the thing that we hold dear, the thing that are precious to us than him. He said, deal with them. And then when Jacob purified himself, he said, now a name change again. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob. But your name shall be what? Israel. This was the second time God talked about the name change with Jacob. And I was wondering, I said, but Lord, why did you come again and say again you're changing it? He said, because the first time the idols were still there. And I needed to deal with the idols in order for me to establish the name change. Hallelujah. But there was a problem again with me. I found another problem. After that, let's go to Exodus 3, verse 6, and let's read there. Exodus 3, verse 6. I know it's a bit stressful. You listen, you listen. I'm not, I'm not here to tickle your, your ears. I want to teach you what is in the Word. Uh-huh. Exodus 3, 6. Let's read there. He said, moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of who? Ah, didn't you tell him I will not call you Jacob anymore? <laughs> Twice he has told the man, no, one, no longer you will be called Jacob. Then in Exodus, he said, I'm the God of Jacob. Isn't it confusing? I will show you why it's confusing. Because when God changed the name of Abraham, Amen? Genesis 17. Genesis 17. Let's read verse 4. Genesis 17, 4. Okay. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called what? But your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many. From that day, the name Abraham disappeared. From that day, he was only called Abraham. Why the one of Jacob, Jacob is still going on, while the one of Abraham is stopped? That was my problem when I was reading the scriptures. And I was questioning the Holy Ghost, why, 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 why? 
And the Holy Ghost told me that in the case of Jacob, it was not really a change of name, it was a change of nature. Because from the time he dealt with the idols, he never behaved like Jacob again. Hear me out. The deal was not too much in the name. It was in the nature of Jacob. The one of Abraham, the deal was in the name because the name was a prophecy for the future, but his nature didn't change. You say why? Abraham didn't change. Go to Genesis 20. I will show you something there. Genesis 20. Let's read Genesis 20, verse 1. Genesis 20, verse 1. Today we're paging a lot. Okay. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. Ah, a man of God, <laughs> anointed by God, but afraid to present his wife as his wife because he thinks they will kill him. Abraham didn't change. His name changed, but his nature didn't change. In the, in the contrary, Jacob's name remained the same, but his nature changed into Israel. Hallelujah. So when his nature changed, he was still dwelling in the body of Jacob with a new name, Israel. So when God was referring to Jacob, he was referring to the natural man, Jacob. But his nature was different. From the day the name Jacob changed for the second time, his whole life changed completely. He was not the cheat anymore. He was not the fearful anymore. He was having the, 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 the inner man of Israel. Can I submit you to bring you to Christianity? That there is a Jacob and an Israel inside of you. Your natural man and your spiritual man. The natural man is still there and is striving to take the upper hand. But the spiritual man within you must arise. Because it's not because you are Christian that your body has changed. Hallelujah. Who? Okay. Have you seen a white man receiving Christ and becoming black? Or have you seen a black man receiving Christ and becoming white? It means that your body does not change. What really changed is the new man that God has created in you, which is your Israel inside of you. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? So these two are there. So what was happening? Israel was hidden in Jacob. Do you know that in the art of war, camouflage is a strategy of war? When you camouflage, people don't know. So when Jacob was coming, the people saw Jacob, but he was carrying another person inside, which was Israel. They were dealing with him as they are dealing with Jacob, but actually we are dealing with Israel. Look at Jacob. Look at Jesus. When Jesus came on this earth, he was God, fully embodied in flesh. But people saw Yeshua. They were dealing with him as if they were dealing with a young Yeshua that they knew. 
But inside was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Can I submit to you that God has a system of camouflage in the spirit? That's why he planted the new man in the, this body. So that the new man may be hidden from the things of this world. So people will see you, they will judge you, they will not recognize who you are. Let me tell you something. That people that judge you by their appearance are judging you by ignorance. Because in you, Paul even put it this way. He said, this treasure is in earthly vessel. So there is a treasure in earthly vessel. So there is a fight between the earthly and the heavenly. And that is a fight that every Christian is going through. The fight between the earthly and the heavenly. There's a Jacob and an Israel. I want, to, I, want to, I want to bring you to some blessings. Look, Jacob came to bless the people of, the, the children of Joseph. I want to take you an interesting story. Interesting story. Let's go to Genesis, I think Genesis 48. I want to just give you the right scripture there. Wow, interesting story. Okay. Genesis 48. Let's read from verse 1. He said, It came to pass after this thing that Joseph was told, Indeed, your father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob was told, Look, your son Joseph is coming to you. Read the following. And. <laughs> Who was told the children are coming? But who stood up? <laughs> they said, then Israel gathered himself and sat up on the bed. <laughs> then Jacob said to Joseph, it's like, <laughs> then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at loose in the land of Canaan and blessed me. Let's carry on. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make, you, I will make of you a multitude of people. And give, and give this land to your descendant after you as an everlasting possession. And now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Your offspring, your offspring, whom you beget after them, shall be yours. They will be called by the name of their brothers in uh, their inheritance. Let's go on. But as for me, when I came to Padam, Rachel died be beside me in the land of Cana on the way. When there was but a little distance to go to Ephra, and I buried her there on the way to Ephra, that is Bethlehem. Now, Israel, Jacob has finished to relate the story. But when the time of blessing came, Israel came out. They said, no, 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 Israel saw the sons of Jacob who are with thee. And he said, who are these? And Jacob said to his father, They are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he said, Please bring them to me and I will bless them. 
Look again. Now the eyes of Israel <laughs> were dim with age, so he could not see them. Then Joseph brought them near to him, and he kissed them and, and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact God has also shown me your offspring. So Jacob brought them beside his knee and bowed down with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with a right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh with a left hand toward Israel's right hand, and he brought them near him. Then Israel stretched out his hand, his right hand, and he laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and the left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hand, knowing for Manasseh was the firstborn. Hallelujah. And he blessed Joseph and said, let me stop there. Let me tell you what happened there. I want to take you through the scripture for you to understand something tonight. Jacob was hosting Israel. Yes. When Jacob wanted to bless the children of Joseph, Israel came out. And Israel started, but now they put the younger on the left and the older on the right. Because the law of blessing says that the older takes the blessing. And Israel came and what? Cross his hand. And Joseph said, Daddy, you're making a mistake. He said, I know what I'm doing. Do you know what he was doing? What did he do? He did what? What did Israel do? He crossed what? Where Jesus died. Where did Jesus die? On the cross. What was he doing? Jesus was crossing his hands over us. Giving the blessing to us, the young people that are born through him. His first born was Israel, the nation of Israel. His second born was the church. So, so he came and crossed his hand. And he said, I know my nation is blessed. But I decide to put my right hand right now on my church. So the church of Jesus Christ has come forwards. And the church of Jesus Christ is blessed. And the church of Jesus Christ is the one preaching the gospel to Israel right now. The younger has become the older. So the young has inherited the blessing. He crossed his hand at the cross for you and me so that we can enter destiny with God. So the church has not replaced Israel. The church has just received a blessing. That's why every spiritual blessing is given to us in heavenly places. So Israel, Ephraim is a picture of the church. Manasseh is the picture of the nation of Israel. Do you check what I'm trying to explain to you? Now, 
We understand that when God was blessing, when Jacob was blessing his 12 sons, he never blessed them as Israel. He blessed them as Jacob. If you go to, if you go to Genesis 49, they say, and Jacob called his 12 sons to bless them. But when he has to bless Manasseh and bless Ephraim, he blessed them as Israel. And remember, there also he has blessed Jacob as Israel. And when he was blessing them the second time, because the Bible said, he said to Jacob, to Joseph, sorry, he said to Joseph that the Lord blessed me, and he said, I will inherit. Now your children are mine. So Joseph received the blessing of Israel. The second time, he received the blessing of Jacob, double portion. Fully loaded. So there is a spiritual man, and there is a natural man. Have you read the scripture that says, the whole earth is waiting for the revelation of the sons of God? Where are the sons of God? They are right here. What is preventing them? The natural nature. So there needs to be an intentional struggle. You know, when we talk about, prevail, uh, 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 when we talk about uh, uh, the law of, 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 of prevailing, what are we prevailing for? For the sons to arise. So the sons of God are not going to be born. They are already here. They just need to be revealed. So what is hiding them? The natural nature. Jesus looked at them and said, you shall do what I have done, but even greater than this you shall also do. There will come a generation, listen to me, there will come a generation in this world of people that have that are mastered the habit of becoming sons that will do more than Jesus did because that was the word. Oh, you, are, you don't believe this because you think that Jesus did too much. Gen John chapter number 14, Jesus says, John 14, 12, he said, you will do what I have done, the works, but you will do even greater works than this because I'm going to the Father and everything you ask in my name, that I shall do. But we are weakened for the, with the natural nature. And that nature is fighting you. This is the nature that sees a girl and it jumps all over. This is the nature that sees a boy and it jumps all over. Because earth attracts earth. You know what attracts you in the first place is the body of the other person. When you see somebody the first time, the beauty you see is the dust. But dust attract dust. And when dust and dust come together, it's called sin. <laughs> the dusty habit, habit is sin. Hallelujah. But there is something that should attract you in people. It's the main insight. The new nature. People don't marry somebody because they look handsome. Marry him because he's a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so how do we overcome this conflict? I'm finishing with that. Number one, number one, you need to be intentional about this. You must consistently trust the Holy Spirit to guide you and tell you that you are operating in the old nature. It needs to be a constant reliance on the Holy Spirit because the old nature comes out so quickly. So you need to have a consistent work with the Holy Ghost. 
And, and so that the Holy Ghost may show you, the Bible says that, listen, the Bible says here that those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Amen? We should be people that prevails, that don't want, don't want that natural Jacob to overcome. Look, the Bible says in the book of Psalm 24, verse 6, it says, this is the generation of Jacob, they that seek the Lord. So you must seek the Lord so that the spiritual man in you shall prevail. It must be an intentional thing. Don't assume that because you are a child of God, automatically you will move in the spirit. You need to go before God and tell him, this nature is fighting me. I need the spirit. Stay, stay in your face and ask God to prevail. And you will prevail. You need to be intentional in this fight. Because there is an Israel in you that want to come out. I say there is an Israel in you that want to come out. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You need to walk by the Spirit. Mm. You need to allow the cross of Jesus Christ to be reality in your life. Because many people are fighting this battle in the flesh. They don't know that it has already been performed at the cross. You need to believe the finished work of Jesus at the cross. And you need to embrace that work of Christ. And walk in that work. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the last thing that I want to tell you is walking by the Spirit is not just hanging in the air there and, oh, no, that's not walking by the Spirit. People think when they say we walk by the Spirit, I see in your life that is not Spirit. You see, this can be just imagination because you're the only one that sees. Walking by the street is not those things. It's not those funny stuff. People want to be spiritual, they become funny. People think weirdness of being weird it means being spiritual. They want to be put a camel dress and being John the Baptist in the wilderness. Come on. Come on. They don't, they, they, they don't even shave anymore. The beard stands here. I'm spiritual. How can a beard make you spiritual? I can take you to Jamaica. Beard. We are not spiritual. <laughs> so there is... <laughs> being weird is not spelled being spiritual. Have you seen some people? They are very weird. When they look at you, say, what are... I'm trying to discern something. Oh, stop it. The church is full of weird people. What are you doing? What are you doing? Prophetic action. Weird. <laughs> Have you seen such a people? I fear those people. I say, oh, uh, what are you doing? Are you, uh, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop it. (laughs) 
You see, I went to a, 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 a meeting. I won't tell you where. <laughs> Praying for somebody. I said, stop it. Come here, let me pray for you. They are boasting. You don't know where they took him from. When they pray time. Stop. Stand. Let me pray for you. Uh, some people know what I'm talking about because they were aware with me. I said, this one does not need deliverance. She needs a word. Stand there. Stop that nonsense. Who told you you must be this? Say your body is too precious. The next day when I saw that person, I said, let's start there. Let's, let's start there. That's a good starting point. So, so being in the spirit means to follow the word of God. So if you do all this and you are, you are not word-based, you are just nonsense. You need to be word-based. You need, to, you, need to, you need to be so full of the word of God. That's what we call walking in the spirit. So what do you do? You crucify the flesh. You don't bind the flesh. You don't cast out the flesh. You crucify the flesh. And how do you crucify the flesh? It will say no. So when anger is coming, you need to tell that anger, Jacob, I will not allow you to overcome. In the name of Jesus, be still. Because the Bible tells me that the spirit of gentleness is in me. So you master the old nature by disciplining him through the word. Some of you, you think you are possessed. You are not possessed. You lack discipline. Because that demon has been cast out 10,000 times, but he's still there. What demon is so powerful? <laughs> All you need is the discipline of the word so that you can stay in the word and say no to things that need to be said no to and apply your life to the working of the word of God, you become a word-based person and then you are not just hanging around anymore. You know what God is saying. You know the word of God upon your life and you walk by the word of God. Somebody does something, annoys you, you say, my nature is love. So I will not allow any fleshy hate to come in me. I say no to the feelings of hate because the Bible says love is a fruit of the spirit and the spirit dwells in me. So now I release the fruit of love so that when I meet that person, the atmosphere will be an atmosphere of love, not of hate anymore, but the word of God guides me into loving people. Amen. You will be funny, 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 and then you have the same word. Somebody say words. Can we go back to the word of God? I said, can we go back to the word of God? Hey, can we go back to that word? The word that said, that says the Lord. That says the word. Then you, you open your Bible and you read. You sow the seed inside of you. So that when trouble comes, it's the seed that comes out. We need to be word-based. I said we need to be word-based. That's the only way the sonship in you can arise and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I pray that the word may become flesh in you tonight so that you may be able to overcome the old man because the old man is not dead. He's there. He's looking for opportunity to come out. He's looking for, for opportunity to, to express himself. But the word of God, but the word of God shall prevail. 
But the word of God shall shut the mouth of that old man and you will be an overcomer. I'm praying by the spirit of God that tonight we may know that we can prevail with a word that the, that, that the Israel inside of us may be born. There is an Israel inside of you. He's, he's looking to be born. He's in your womb. He wants to come out, but you need to give him chance to be born. You need to give him a chance to be born. And once he comes out, you will overtake and you will overcome. I pray that praying church may be over. I say I pray that praying church may be over. Praying church may be over. That we may be soaked in the word of God so that the word of God may discipline us and take us to destiny. Listen, if you don't know your right in the word of God, the enemy takes you for a ride. But once you know what God has purposed for you, when you know what the word says about you, and you live in that word, the enemy cannot take chance with, with you anymore. The devil is not so powerful. He just works on the ignorance of people. That's why we call the prince of darkness. Because darkness means also ignorance. When you are ignorant, the devil is powerful. When you come to insight, he's powerless. So, greater is he that is in me. Uh -huh, I say, greater is he that is in me. Greater is he. Is there, is there greater in you? Let that greatness find expression for you daily. Let that greatness find his way to come out for you. You need to go tonight and sit at Bethel. Hey, listen. You need to sit at Bethel because the first time, the first time the encounter took place, he didn't call it just Bethel, he called it El Bethel, meaning God in the house of God. It means there can be a house without God in the house. So El Bethel is a manifestation of God in his house. Maybe you had a, a Bethel experience in your life, but now you need to have an El Bethel experience in your life. And that El Bethel experience will change everything in your life. It will take you from lukewarmness uh, to a person that is on fire for God because now you have met El at Bethel. El Bethel. I'm praying that you may have an El Bethel experience tonight. I say I'm praying that you may have an El Bethel experience tonight. That you will not just have a Bethel experience that does not change you, but you will have a El Bethel experience that that the place where you disengage from idols, that the place where you disengage from habits that are not of God, that the place where you disengage from laziness, and you come to a place where you can encounter the God of heaven. And when it comes in your life, you are not just limping, you are glowing. You are glowing. You come to a place where you glow. I say you are glowing. You are glowing. Because the enemy knows that you don't just have a Bethel experience, you have an El Bethel experience. He knows that you don't have just, just a, pan, a penial experience. He knows that it's not just you, you, you are not whole because you are broken. But you are whole because you have met him. There's a difference. There's a difference. You can be broken without being whole. Because when you are broken without being whole, your brokenness becomes a place of bitterness. So that the wound becomes a pain. But when you are, you are broken and made whole, the brokenness becomes a testimony, not a complaint anymore. 
So you come to a place where you can testify of your own brokenness. You say, you know what? I've been through everything. Maybe I was raped when I was young. Maybe I was molested when I was young. But that molestation pushed me into the hands of God in a way that I can testify today that if it was not for a God of heaven, I would have been a person that is nonsense. But God revealed himself to me and showed me that even what happened to me has become a propeller so that I can go into destiny. So I start to use my experience to draw other people into the kingdom, to tell them it's possible that you are raped, but yet you can serve God. It's possible that you are molested, yet you can praise God. It's possible that your father rejects you, yet you are a son of God. It's possible it becomes a propeller to you into the kingdom. I want us to have an El Bethel experience tonight. I say I want an El Bethel experience tonight so that I disengage myself from things that are not of God, so that I can come into the hands of God and be a person, a woman, a man that can stand and say, once I was blind, but now I can see. But you know, when you are an El experience, like I said, it's not just the brokenness, it's the wholeness. When you have an El Bethel experience, it's not just... Look at, what, look at how he talked to Jacob, to Joseph. He said, the God that took me out of all this trouble, so the trouble became a reference point to show that God is alive. Amen. I pray that your trouble may become a reference point to say that the God that you are serving is alive. So that doesn't matter what happened. Listen, look at, listen, Joseph said something to his brothers. He said, what you meant for evil, the Lord has turned it for my good. So I'm praying tonight that whatever was meant for evil, the Lord may turn it for your good. I'm praying tonight that doesn't matter the years, the years that the locusts have eaten. Oh, I pray tonight that God may, may visit you and vindicate you. I pray tonight that the Spirit of God may lift you up so that you may go from a bad experience to a testimonial experience so that your testimony may become the experience that you have been before so that people may know that he's the lifter of those who are cast down. He's the healer of those who are cast out. He's the repairer of the broken wall. He's the God Almighty. El Shaddai is his name. We pray to a God that is able to lift us up when we are down. Nothing is lost. I say nothing is lost. No, I realize later that my struggle in primary school was for me to be a testimony. When I was going through a struggle, I thought God hates me. But now that I'm through, I can look back and I say, it was a painful experience, but God has used it as a painful experience now so that I can testify of the glory of God even in my weaknesses. I didn't know what God was doing until my eyes were open to know that he does not hate me. He has a plan. And out of the brokenness, he pulls out something beautiful. Out of the ashes, he pulls out beauty. Have you realized that all the fertilizers are rotten stuff? <laughs> Have you realized that all fertilizers smell bad? But do you know that it's the rotten inside that is a nutrient for the plant? So everything that is rotten around you is like a fertilizer. So that you may understand the purpose of that thing. So that you are not in the place where you are worried anymore. You know, these are fertilizers. 
because I know the law of fertilizer. If it does not die, it cannot fertilize. So even when I can't smell, you know what? You know, I've been to farm. I close my nose because it smells so bad. But at the end of a year, the pocket is full. My pocket is empty because I was afraid. Oh, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. If you are afraid of a bad smell, you cannot reap of a harvest. They needed to, they, there, is, there is a component of pain in growth. It, it, it's, a, it's a mixture, it's a, it's a holy mixture of pain and, 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 and joy. When God mixed them together and put it in your life, it feels to you that things are going wrong, but God is busy fertilizing you. Wait, 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 wait. Lord, all the people of my generation are married. What about me? Wait. Ay, 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 ay. I say wait. I say wait. The amount of the fertilizer will determine the harvests. Lord, I think it's finished. God say wait. 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 You are having a Jacob experience. But the, inner, the main inside that is hiding, the main outside that is hiding, the main inside become restless. They say, no, things are not happening. Because you see with your eyes, you don't see with the eyes of your spirit. I pray tonight that the eyes of your understanding may be open. 